sing us the song of your people. Oh, I don't see you a wooing. I a wooed. <laughs> I can't say Haldi anymore because I'm not Zeph anymore. Uh, what would a wolf say to intro? <laughs> Haldi. Oh. Well, I guess he actually would say Haldi, wouldn't he? <laughs> Haldi. Welcome to Snepisode 5 of the Where Are We podcast. I am Orange Wolf, and just to let you know, uh, that Zephyr guy that's controversial, we've kicked him out of the podcast, so eh, whatever. Today, we are joined by Wolf X, Wolf Paws, Wolf Dancer, and Blue Wolf. Say hi, guys. FML. Hi, guys. Yeah, so today we are going to uh, discuss something that is kind of a little further along the lines of spirituality, but not necessarily pinged straight towards spirituality either. Um, if you listen to our last episode on spirituality, you will realize that I'm trying to say the word spirituality as many times as I can in one sentence. And this topic is kind of blended in with the Therian guides, Therian talks on Therian gear. So it is going to be more or less an or exploration of uh, what is gear uh, in a spiritual context, in a personal context. What is it? What does it do? What are some things you need to think about? And how can it be helpful? So we are going to explore this. I'm going to let Blue Wolf take over the drive for now. So since at least I heard exploration instead of exploration i said exploration yeah 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 so anyways it would be an exploration of that and you know i had the opportunity to listen to therian guide talk and it uh was useful in the sense of getting an idea of what what is current context of what gear is and things like that um <clears throat> But I also think that it's important to go down and, uh, you know, talk about some other things associated with this, too. I think that all of us, definitely myself included, because I'm sitting here wearing the traditional wolf and dyed paws uh, shirt from the mountain um, as we speak. I have a lot of things, you know, uh, clothing wise, et cetera, that definitely represent that. Show my theory anthropy side. Uh, it's somewhat overt if you know me it's definitely not so overt if you don't know me it's kind of like oh, okay whatever yeah one of those people wearing those damn wolf shirts whatever you know that type of thing and you know i know around my neck i have a, a silver wolf claw cast uh, and it's been there for many many years now since i really kind of found and explored uh therianthropy and and all that and then some of my other bits and pieces for renaissance fairs and just around the house as well you know a lot of artwork and things like that you know it it represents those aspects of me and uh but it's not limited to just wolves it's more a little bit more wild but it clearly it it means something to me when you walk in here you meet me it's clear there's a connection there and if you know the connection then it's very clear as to like okay wow yeah he's it's pretty obvious here you know, I don't, you know, having met Zeph and uh, a few others here, you know, I know that they have uh, their own style and everything. And I'm certainly a fashion disaster. I'm quite confident. But at the same time, I'm very comfortable in uh, in the presentation that I provide. Um, I actually have some dress clothes uh, from Great Wolf Lodge 
uh, some nice polos and things like that that I got a little paw on the, on the, um, the chest there too, which I, I like to wear around and uh, use that as kind of representation as well. Again, I can wear that stuff to work and no one's the wiser in that situation. It's like, oh, okay, went to Great Wolf Lodge and bought a shirt. Okay, whatever. But it's a way we can represent uh, ourselves in a very public way, but not necessarily outright show all the aspects of us uh, unless you know that stuff um, about us. So I'm just curious as to anyone else has uh, any anything like that that they kind of wear or show off or, you know, are able to bring into, you know, the, the office or things like that. So first off, I want to say um, you, you can't say the words that uh, he's banned. Um, second off, I would like to say that I have all kinds of wolf stuff because I am orange wolf and not zephyr. And <laughs> no, so <laughs> it's interesting because when I started exploring my therianthropy, and I, I know I, before I've, I've mentioned that I went through a lot of repression and suppression and things like that too. At one point I decided, Hey, you know, I'm going to order this pendant from online. It is the kanji for Torah or tiger in Japanese. And I think it'd be kind of cool because it would help me to kind of connect with the tiger, tiger aspects of myself. And like, if I really needed to tap into that, it'll, it'll serve as a reminder of sorts. If you go into my house, you'll see actually probably not nearly as tiger, as much tiger stuff as you would expect to, but it's still around because it's a reminder of a part of myself and it helps to ground me in some respects. I, I've kind of personally been a little weird about wearing a lot of tiger stuff or drawing too much attention to it, which may actually be a tiger thing because tigers don't want attention drawn to themselves. But I do have some things like a uh, really nice uh, furry tiger archer shirt that I think is very symbolic of who I am and the journey that I've come through. And I kind of think it'll give people some insight as far as who I am and what I've gone through without really needing to ask too many questions. Yeah, it's it's you know having the, the the like the pendants and the t-shirts and stuff like that. Uh, it's subtle enough that if you wear it out on you know a daily basis, um, you won't get too many questions. You st still feel like you're representing yourself, but you aren't sticking out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I think that a lot of Therians too. You know, we don't want to necessarily stick out like a sore thumb. At least some of the older ones, you know, I don't, I don't have a need to wear tailors or ears or things like that or anything that's like outright overt. I prefer a much more subtle view. And then the people who know, like I said, the people who know me professionally and personally as Therian, and there are some who know me professionally as Therian as well. They are trusted. Uh, I appreciate their, their uh, discretion. Because it is a private matter for me. It's not something I, I go and flaunt a lot. But they they see it and they kind of get that little grin on their face when they see it. And it's just like, you know, it's not an, an inside thing. It's it's a it's a subtle way to express myself uh, with that. You know, I know like um, Thel Gray, uh, 
uh, who I, I got the opportunity to meet with Autumn a few years back. You know, he has a, a very nice uh, Theta Delta tattoo, and that was something he was very proud of. And, you know, for me, I don't have any ink. But at the same time, I know a lot of uh, Therians do like that. You know, if anything, I would consider like a tribal tattoo or something along those lines. I just kind of like the style. Um, but it's not something I've chosen to get at this point. Um, but that would be another way to express it. You know, again, overtly, if you know me, very subtly, if you don't. And for something like Theta Delta, I think it's it's going to definitely ask more questions or drive more questions from people who observe it than not because it's such an unusual tattoo to have. Um, but at the same time, that's something that some people do want to do want to do and uh, express in that situation. First, personally, and wow, this is my podcast debut here. Woohoo. Uh, it's mostly for me, I guess. It's sort of like this tangible reminder that this is something that I want to try to think about more on a day-to-day basis. I mean, it's, it's common to find, you know, wolf t-shirts and bear t-shirts, maybe not so much uh, badger t-shirts, but fox stuff, not so much, not very common, I think, outside, outside of furries. I, at least I haven't seen any, not that I can recall, but yeah, I mean, even if nobody sees it, it's like just, you know, feeling it against me, you know, uh, you know, feeling that, that I'm wearing it, the weight and stuff, like I said, it's a reminder to me to... Uh, on a day-to-day thing that hey, this is something I should think about. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's a good point. I know uh, when I was around 20, I'm 35 now, so <laughs> officially. Uh, when I was around 20, I had a job that I did not personally handle very well. And I it was around the same time that I bought that the Tiger Pendant that I talked about earlier. And it served as a kind of focus for me, I think, to again, like Black Poss said, remind me of this aspect of myself on a daily basis. And it kind of allowed me to tap into parts of myself that I wouldn't otherwise tap into. Uh, Things that would help me get through the workday, things that would help me do well at my job, and things that would help me to survive, essentially. So for the most part, my gear in that regard was very private. No one else ever knew that I had it. If I ever took my shirt off or something like that, people would be like, oh, what is that? And then I have to explain a little bit. But for the most part, the gear that I owned was a reminder. It's interesting to me because there are a lot of things that I have that I suppose could be called gear, casual things like t-shirts with bears on. I have a belt buckle with a bear on it that I often wear. Um, and, and these things are sort of casual reminders. They're, they're there because I can't outwardly express how I feel inside. I'm sort of this dumpy middle-aged dude, but inwardly I'm a, a, a brown bear. So how do I express that to the world? How do I show that? And I think that's where this notion of gear comes in. But the term itself is so cavalier. Like uh, at one time I had an end table that was a, a bear on its back holding up a glass table. And and that, I guess, would be called gear as well. But those things, they're sort of meaningless. Like if I lost my bear t-shirts, like I wouldn't care because they're just t-shirts. I'll just hit up the mountain and get another one. But then I have other items that are incredibly personal. And it would be 
and it would be cavalier for me to refer to them with with such a term as gear because it, it's sort of slang and it and it often refers to things like tails and ears and t-shirts and and things that are kind of mass market and do not have i mean they may have a deep personal meaning for someone but they themselves are not personalized like if it's a t-shirt you can just go get another one of those t-shirts where there are other items that are custom or one-off or that are so personal that it just it trivializes them to call them gear what what do you call it then that's a good question actually I kind of actually sort of understand, maybe I'm going on a different tangent here, but so at one point in my life, people did start to see that there was tiger iconography or symbology around me. So they decided, okay, well, let's get this guy some tiger beanie babies and this and that and the other. And like those, those items didn't really click with me in the same personal level as the things that I had selected or the things that had resonated with me again that some of the mass produced things they they didn't feel very personal uh i didn't see them as gear but maybe more as like i don't know loosely like accessories or something along those lines uh there were things that were nice to have around uh, i enjoyed seeing them and having them but they were not necessarily like the creature comforts to the same degree as the things that I would consider like specifically gear. Yeah, and and I would I would actually to to finish answering Black Paws, I would say that some of those truly personal items might rise to what a what an anthropologist might call a fetish, you know, in the in the religious sense, or in the case of some items, I would go so far as to call them a prosthesis. There is a um, there yeah, there's, there's a difference between like the t-shirts and the items that you get that, that look cool or you they, they have a bear on them, a tiger on them, a badger, wolf, fox, whatever, and then there are those items that you pick out yourself. That the only way I could describe it is they resonate with you, they call out to you that you pick out, and it that makes it that much more special to you. I think it's important right now to <laughs> define what a fetish is because we may have some younger viewers <laughs> who are not viewers, um, listeners who are tuning in who are not familiar with that term and may think it's something that's it's really not. Uh, so, Bear, like, would you be comfortable with giving a like brief definition of what you would consider a fetish in that regard? What I would consider a fetish in that well, it has a fairly broad. Uh, definition um this is off the cuff but effectively an item or object which is imbued with personal religious symbolism yes uh most often you would see something like you know uh like a an animal fetish would be like a carving of that animal in some sort you know in a in a traditional sense and it's imbued with the concept of the the spirit or that animal or whatever it may be you know, I agree with Bear on that too. That you know, also it can go into an object that you create uh, or imbue with that type of energy because it's got that much importance to you. I agree. In a sense, like I've I've learned to use that word as sort of a spiritual representation of that thing. So if I have a tiger fetish, it, it may be a like an item that I look to to kind of connect with tiger in a spiritual way. 
but but yeah, I mean, for me though, I mean, even the gear stuff. If you're just gonna limit the limit the term to what you've been talking about before, is actually kind of it does serve sort of an important purpose for me, for someone like me at least, because you know, I mean, those who know me uh, know that I'm pretty hard-headed, skeptical, doubtful, stuff like that. So things like that, you know, again, is a reminder, you know, to. To, to consider that kind of thing, because I'm not sure without it, I would actually do so, uh, if, if that makes sense. Uh, but like, like I said, it is a, it's a reminder for free. No, and I, I think it's important, too. We can get stuck on the concept of did we create it to be imbued or things like that. It can still have a great deal of importance to us. You know, I have custom made boots from Catskill Mountain. They have a lot of wolf iconography. Yeah, easy for me to say. Um, Iconography. Thank you. On them, and I'm I I love them very much. They're extremely comfortable as well, and they're they really kind of represent you know an aspect of me, and you know I I enjoy wearing them because of that. But I wouldn't say that they are imbued with anything more than that. For me, it's a an expression, an aspect of myself, whereas I have other things that I've made. Part of my regalia, for instance, I have a, a hand-woven belt that's just, uh, it, it's a four-color, you know, uh, uh, finger-weave out of yarn belt that I made. You know, it took me a good week to make it to for the length that it is. And, but that is something that I put a lot of energy and focus into and drive into that is very unique. It has absolutely no representation externally of, of you know, my therianthropy or anything of the sorts, but it has a lot of spiritual meaning to me. And I would say that's more into the area of fetish than it is, you know, not uh, based on that definition. Um, I also had the opportunity to make one for uh, uh, a friend some years ago Um similar thing and i remember when you know she first put it on she said you know it 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 felt like it was part of her um it just it felt so natural you know to have have it there and it became something she wore on a regular basis um you know but again those those things you know i put a lot of energy and time and, and focus into them um same thing with like some of my ribbon shirts i i hand sewed a lot of stuff when i started um down my spiritual path to make that type of uh, spiritual regalia. And it, it took, again, weeks to make some of this stuff and a lot of a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, quite literally, in some cases, considering if you've ever done hand sewing of a shirt, uh, you know it's you're going to get stabbed multiple times. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it can be very frustrating from that perspective. But it's something I, I look back at, and I'm very proud of uh, what I was able to do and what I was able to put together. And you know, those things get into a, a, a different realm, and those are things that I keep away and accept out of, uh, at certain times. I pull them out for very specific reasons. So I think that the, those things are are there. But then you know, like the, the wolf claw that I have around my neck, I would consider that more of a fetish because it's not just a representation of wolf it's it's representation of me it's representation of spirit it's representation of an ex uh, is something i can easily externally show as well that people can either you know pick up or not something that is symbolic of a relationship that you have with wolf in multiple layers in a sense then yeah yeah yes 
It's kind of interesting so. because I'm actually literally wearing a coyote pelt right now. <laughs> so, uh, I wonder how many people just kind of winced at that, but uh, I did. I admit it. Uh, I I did, but not for the reason that most people would, would wince. I'm just shredding coyote influence on this again. That's why I winced. Uh, the entire last. <laughs> I know coyote didn't happen. It's okay, but um. It's interesting because uh, you talk about this sort of relationship with the spiritual and relationship with spirit and the uh, the critter specifically. And I found myself in some conundrums too. Like I, we discussed a little bit of this earlier, but we'll- Coyote influence? <laughs> yes, coyote influence. Um, we'll actually go with fox influence. So- I was uh, learning a little bit about fox medicine and went to a local flea market. And as I was going around, I found this tail that was buried under all kinds of crap. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting. It looks like it's a furry tail because it's like dyed green, but okay, sure. It said on the label that it was a silver fox tail. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't really legitimately tell if this is real or not. Like, it looks like it's pretty real, but why would it be dyed green? And why would it be here? At any rate, I took it home and I'm like kind of faced with this conundrum where it's like, I, I don't know if this is real or not. So should I should I really accept that this connects me with that spirit in that sense? And I think ultimately what I, what I came to, what I arrived to conclusion wise is that it is, whether it is an actual foxtail or not, it is highly symbolic of the relationship that I would like to form with that medicine. So it doesn't really matter in that regard if it's real or not. It is a, a focus of sorts that allows me to tap into that mindset and to try to learn that medicine. So that's why it's important. Um, I, I think in that sense, it's it, it doesn't matter as much if it's a real part of a real fox or not. It helps me tap into that. Agreed. And I think, that, you know, it, it, the if you come across a uh, part of an animal, be it a pelt, be it a head, be it a claw, be it a tooth, be it fur. Like I know like a lot of uh, wolf sanctuaries, for instance, sell, um, you know, wolf fur bracelets. That That's a part of that animal at the end of the day. And yes, it was a natural shed and all that, but it, it, it still is part of that animal. Um, and it creates a connection there. And it's a very easy way to you know, have that direct connection um, in that, whereas other ones, you know, there's there's more consequences to that. But when you choose to take something like that on, to me, it it's very important to be respectful of it, to treat it with care and kindness and love. Um, but also, if it's more explicit, be it a, a pelt or something along those lines, you are now a vehicle for that animal. Um, it's important to understand that you have an obligation. It's not something you throw up on the wall and you look at it and say, wow, that's cool. That is, frankly, just outright disrespectful, uh, in my personal opinion. Uh, you can disagree with me. I don't care. Uh, that's the way I feel about it. 
Um, but if you do take something like that on, you know, it's it's important to give back to that animal and that spirit and that nation, if you will, be it the wolf nation, the fox nation, whatever, and give it life in some way, shape, or form um, through your actions. That may be as simple as wearing a fox. If you are wearing the foxtail, for instance, you know, doing something a little bit more clever, a little bit more conniving in some ways. Uh, it's not malicious. Thinking along those lines, you know, how would a fox, you know, hide in plain sight and that type of thing. It's been one of the things I've observed with foxes or, you know, that, that cleverness associated with it or a coyote. You know, uh, uh, I I have a love-hate relationship with coyote. I I had a lot of experience um, with them. Um, and, you know, how do you how do you bring that life that trickster energy that life uh through you with that to help it live through you and it gives you back some of its life as well as a direct result of it but it's a relationship you have to form with those objects in that that way in that way it's it's very important um for that otherwise it's just an object you know for me it it would not be that type of relationship. It would have to be something that you know there's a there's a give and a take, and it's it's bringing you closer to your Therian Therian side. So how are you bringing it back into this world beyond what its natural life may have been uh, or would have been in in some cases as well? A few different things there. Again with the fox tail, I eventually concluded that there's probably no way that I can really tell whether it's real or not. I can never tell if it's actually a part of a fox that has died or if it is something that's manufactured, but I can still choose to use it to honor the spirit and medicine of fox in that regard. And to me, that was the main and important thing. Um, It's about learning the medicine. It's about helping to teach and spread the medicine. And it is about almost kind of recycling that energy, helping the lessons that an animal has to teach be taught throughout the world instead of just dying with one individual creature or, or falling into silence. Absolutely. That the representation. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. The representation. Zephyr's band. Okay. Z. That's worse. The representation that the those objects bring, even if it's faux fur, um, that representation is important because it's a a manifestation of that spirit, that image, that iconography uh, associated with it. That can be equally as powerful um, in so many different ways, and I agree with you on that fully. That you know, this may not be a real foxtail uh, if it's not. Okay, whatever. But you can use, still use it to help bring some of that energy, some of that life, back into the world, and you know, do that representation. You know, same thing with fursuits. You know, I would, I would love to have one. I don't have one. I think it'd be interesting to have one. Uh, I've done uh, mascotting uh, myself, so I understand the complexities of it and the heat associated with it as well. But, you know, it's it's uh, something that I have done and it's something I would do again. But again, for me, it would be more of a how do I represent what I am and who I am 
and have that drive through, not from a a persona or anything like that, but you know, more of a true representation of myself, uh, or at least part of how I see myself. This is where there's sort of a a few different tangents that we can go on to, and one of them. So there, there are like a few different taboos that go along with this. Uh, first off, as Therians, a lot of us take the lives of our, our stereotypes very seriously. So the thought for some people of someone wearing a, a coyote pelt or a fox pelt or something along those lines is almost like blasphemous. But in these same regards, like I've always felt the inclination that wearing something like that will allow me to help bring new life to it. And so I felt very guilty for that inclination. And it's it's very confusing because uh, spiritually, I feel like I'm pushed one way, but I feel like I'm guilted into feeling another way. And it's hard to find peace with that sometimes. I, again, you have to kind of think of what the the end goal will be with this sort of thing. Uh, I've had some people ask me, well, if I have a pelt like this, why should I feel like I have to honor it in a certain way too? There's no should there. Like, I, I think I'm wired in a certain way where I feel like maybe I specifically should honor these things in a specific way. It's difficult for me sometimes, but I have to realize that not everyone maybe has that same inclination. It's just something that I have. So in this case, I I may see a pelt from an animal that has has been killed, but to me, I I work with the pelt through the grief to try to bring a celebration. I think that's of important too, life. and I I agree with you that some people would shy away from it altogether, and I agree that some people would feel that you know it's. <laughs> Why do I need to? Why should I feel this way? Why should I feel guilt over over having this, um, you know, this object? Uh, to me, on on for me, it is not an object. It is a representation of that spirit, that life, things like that. And to me, it is you know someone who sees not just people walking around as my brothers and sisters, but, you know, the four-leggeds, the two-leggeds, the eight-leggeds, the many-leggeds, the no-leggeds, the winged ones, uh, the finned ones, we're all part of this interstellar vehicle called Earth. We're all part of life. Some I like more than others. You know, mosquitoes, not such a big fan. Um, Oh, no. Mosquitoes uh, suck. uh, Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, we're we're all part of the same system we're part of this this earth we are all connected we are all the same to me that just drives that philosophy drives me to say you know this representation this connection this needs to be honored in some way shape or form maybe not everyone feels that way okay whatever for me that's what it is and i'm not going to sit here and be apologetic for the way i you know the philosophy that i adapt here from that perspective, you know, especially as a Therian, where I feel that it's not just human, it's something human plus. So that plus, is that lesser or is that more? No, it's the same. It's a component of me. And if I was to give 
disrepresentation or misrepresentation or dishonoring to it, then I'm really degrading not just that particular animal or that particular spirit, but the whole. You know, that that's that's the way I see it. We are we are the same. Then it goes a step further. So as a person who has a stereotype who is an endangered species, I feel almost like I am intended to be a voice for tigers and help advocate for their protection, their conservation, things along those lines too. So in my particular case, though, owning something that comes from a tiger is highly illegal. Not only that, but since tigers are endangered, it I feel the numbers that are so low, and I can't a part of me just can't stand for that. So how does someone find balance with something like that? I know it's a little different. Like it's again, I, I work with coyote and and fox in particular. And, and otter and their numbers are not as critically endangered as those of a tiger so like when should someone feel guilt for something like that I, th- I think in this case like for a tiger definitely your representation of the spirit makes far more sense than trying to figure out how to own an actual pelt uh, yeah. e- even though it's I could imagine having any Owning owning any part of a tiger that was once alive would, would be a tremendous thing for me, but it's so it's a difficult thing to to balance emotionally. Absolutely, and I think that's a decision that people have to make on their own. Is to you know what what is is a representation such as full fur that's been purposely stylized adequate for for that is a replica claw or tooth adequate for that i have i have a handful of you know replica you know claw wolf claws upstairs i i cherish them you know the the one i have it's silver it's not not a you know actual wolf claw it's a casting of a of a replica you know those are things that you know i i've struggled with as well and getting into the physical parts gets into the same conversation for just for in general what is the line that you feel? How are you representing it? Those things, and it's it's a decision you have to make and you have to live with at that at that point. For even endangered species, there are you know uh, rules around this. You know, uh, for people who are not familiar, you need to be very careful and cognizant of the laws. Um, for uh, for those who do not know, there is something called CITES, uh, the Convention on International Trade of Endangered Species. Um, that dictates all the laws associated with that on the 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 public market. You know, the black market is a totally different thing. So, if you were to acquire something, does it have CITES documentation associated with it? That's a very important thing because if it doesn't, it's probably illegal, very likely illegal. And now you have to deal with that. Also, state, local, provincial. Uh, laws, all those things uh, had to be taken into account. And I, I recommend that you always make sure you do your homework. A piece of bone is, that you found, or a feather you found, there's eagle feather law that deals with migratory birds and all that stuff. All those pieces of the puzzle need to be taken into account. 
Turkey feather is one of the few exceptions, for instance. You know, you can get a turkey feather that's painted to look just like an eagle feather, just like an owl feather, just like a hawk feather, just like a falcon feather. All sorts of things like that. Those are perfectly legal to own because it's a turkey feather that's been painted. The actual, you know, hawk, eagle feathers and things like that. There is a whole host of laws that goes associated with those things because of Migratory Bird Act and Eagle Feather Law and all that stuff. You need to be very cognizant of those things as well if you're going to go down that road. Um, and you know, in that process of educating yourself, um, you're going to learn something more about it. You're going to make a decision as to how important is this to me to have this type of thing this type of object, what am I going to do with that type of object? It, it's There's no clear-cut answer. I think every individual is unique in this circumstance. I personally don't have a problem with it. Once again, if people are getting into the point of respecting and, and honoring uh, it, if it's just something that you throw up on the wall, you know, I've been places where they got like uh, a bear uh, pelt up on the wall or a bearskin rug or things like that. Big turnoff for me. Don't want to be there. Don't have any interest in dealing with it. But at the same time, for people who are using it for education or for ceremony or things like that, that's a totally different story uh, to me because they're they're trying to do something to expand and honor these these animals and their life and extend their life, so to speak, through those processes. And I think to me that's that's something important and that type of education is important because we're going to continue to have conflict you know with with any uh, especially the big predators and we could go into an entire conversation sidebar conversation about you know why are they're in so prevalently you know the large predators um if we wanted to but i think that's a topic for another discussion but we've had so much conflict with them between wolves and bears and and tigers and and you know other large uh, predatory animals that there's there's more to that and how do we how do we dispel and how do we evolve and how do we change the minds because there's still a lot of people who would rather see you know any of these creatures dead uh and potentially extinct if you know preferably extirpated at minimally uh, of their region you know it <laughs> It's it's an uphill battle, and there is no clear answer. Is the nutshell. Stormy, yes. Say something. Something. There, are you happy? <laughs> One other thing that I would like to caution on, and this is going to be a little bit of wee woo stuff, but it's uh, going into my own personal experiences, which are very personal. Discussed this with some people on the podcast already, but. Like, for instance, my coyote pelt. I was interested, and I've been involved with the medicine in quite some time now. And I thought it was time. Something inside told me that it was time to get a coyote pelt. I, (laughs) Blue is saying that darn pelt. It's caused some problems lately, folks, but we won't go into that. Um, One thing that I think is very important, and it's something that Blue had actually given me insight to before do your research before you end up investing in these things hold on there's a cop (laughs) coincidentally yeah he's talking about coyote and there's cops 
so in this particular case, I found a pelt that kind of called out to me. And I'm like, you know, it's time for me to start reforming a relationship with Coyote. The first relationship is an entirely different episode. And it would still be summed up with what Blue said in chat. That darn pelt. <laughs> but I'm not sure. So some of this, I'm not sure if it's really like a, I understand that it may not necessarily be a spiritual kind of connection or interpretation from everybody. It may be a psychological one. But when I brought my pelt home, I realized that it had bullet wounds in it. And I had a hellacious nightmare where it is the coyote was in the process of being shot and there was blood all over the place and, and not really cool stuff. I, I kind of went through a little bit of a traumatic experience with what the coyote may or may not have experienced too. And it's important to realize that, again, with the care and the maintenance that you have to give towards some of these things, sometimes you may be biting off a little more than you anticipate, biting off a little more than you can chew. In this case, I kind of saw it as maybe I needed to help Coyote through this kind of trauma so that I could work on my own trauma. And um, yeah, the last three weeks happened. <laughs> so, uh, just, just be careful. Be very mindful. Some of these things, you may be biting off more than you can chew without realizing it. Especially with Coyote, his lessons tend to be adventurous. Yeah, there are reasons that Zephyr's banned. <laughs> um, I have some input on this, if I may. Go for it. So, I, I agree that it's a very individual thing. I always felt that it was necessary for me to have a physical piece of a bear because although a representation certainly helps and things like the t-shirts and all that they do help i actually have a, a black bear claw that i wear as a necklace and there were a number of things that were important to me about it i, I didn't want the bear to have been killed intentionally because i didn't want a bear to have to die for something that in some ways is my own vanity because I felt I, I needed this. So um, the claw came from a bear that had been hit by a car, which is pretty much the most common way, unfortunately, black bears die in the United States. And when I, when I got the claw, I, I said a prayer to the, to the bear that had died, thanking it for giving me this gift and I wear that as a necklace every day and it provides a focus for me when I need to ground myself in ways that I feel are particularly suited to me as a bear if that makes sense it does and I, I think you hit on a, a key term there too um, you know when I was in the early part of my spiritual education under my mentor, he, he would refer to um, things like uh, that as a gift uh, of the nation. I think that's an important thing to do. If these things come to you and you choose to accept them, it should be treated as a gift. It is, you know, like, like Bearer said here, 
you know, it's it something special and you didn't, you know, you, you try to give honor and respect to it. And it also helps you bring focus to it. Absolutely. Those are those are powerful things. And I think those are important things, too. Uh, you know, I for some people, you know, the representation may be adequate uh, for others. It may not be. It may need to be something a little bit more. Um, some medicines are a little more thick-headed than others. Uh, I, know hey. bears, I know bears can be quite thick-headed, but also I know that wolves can as well. So it's not a, a, a dig by any stretch. It's just it that that type of connection, that type of energy, that type of feeling. If you if you believe in those things, can definitely bring something more uh, uh, to it and to you. And there, you know, are you know legal ways to acquire. Uh, uh, many things, uh, even through CITES, that should be, you know, definitely understood and explored. If that's something that you feel there's a strong need for those things, but that again, I think it really comes back down to it's the individual to make that decision. Is this something that I need? Is this something that really drives me and makes me say, I, I, this would really help make my connection something more, or not. And, you know, I think I think that, you know, we in some cases we dismiss it too soon is unnecessary. And what was the term you used there, Bear? Self-indulgent, but that's not the right word. Vanity. I, Vanity. I, thank I, you. I sort of saw it as 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 vain because I felt like I needed it myself. But I often wonder if I was being directed to have that. Yeah. And it, it becomes that type of question, though, is to when these things come to you. Is it something that it wants to find a life through you? So is it is it vain? Is it uh, indulgent or anything like that? Maybe it isn't. We can anthropomorphize the the animals all we want, but again, depending on your philosophy, if you see them as equals to you, you know, there, there's a piece of that puzzle there. Maybe that spirit is trying to talk to you and say, "This is something that I need. I died too soon." And yeah, you can. We can go down an entirely different slope on that too. You know, when you get into into these other the, the spiritual realms, um, especially post post existence, I think that it's a different story. It's a different conversation that's being had at that point, um, where they're you're talking a little bit more on balance than not. It's interesting because you're talking about how perhaps sometimes things drive you toward thinking that maybe having these these items may be appropriate. Um, I know I'm not phrasing that very well, but as a teenager, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I, at that point I already knew that I was a tiger and I had actually thought about going into like some sort of veterinarian medicine to possibly eventually at some point in time, learn how to handle tigers and how to treat tigers and things along those lines. And I, I actually had it in my brain that one path that I could take is to take care of these tigers long enough until one of them dies of natural causes and then try to do whatever I can to obtain its pelt that way. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's a very long and steady process. It, it shows the, the care that you actually have toward the animal though, and the respect that you want to have toward that relationship. One thing that I've noticed is back when I was just wolf, it was kind of a dream at one point 
to interact with a, with an actual wolf. And that played, uh, and when I actually did, you know, get to see a wolf, pet a wolf, touch a wolf, interact with a wolf, it, it was like a, um, it was like a spiritual event for me. And having helped other people achieve that dream as well, I think affected their spirituality and their path as well. It's one of those things where I doubt that I will ever be able to touch a tiger or come within a few feet of one. When I see one from a distance, it's almost paralyzing. And like, it's indescribable that that kind of spiritual experience that you're talking about right there, it, it kind of knocks you flat on your back. I, I know I've mentioned this to you before, Orange Wolf. The um, <laughs> that I've had this this urge, this desire to interact with a with a badger. It doesn't have to be in the wild. It can be like a um, an ambassador badger, a captive badger, whatever, like an animal rescue or rehabilitation center. But I just want to see, you know, just interact with them, watch them move for a while, a feel of how they uh, how they act, how they move. And just interact with one. And I, I've been looking around to try to see if there's any local places that would have uh, volunteer spots or something like that where I could work into that. But that itself, you know, it's it's like a spiritual drive for me. Out of curiosity, would an ambassador badger be in a bad mood only 95% of the time? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well there is a... Um, I'm wanting to say Lucy is the name, a badger out of a um, animal rescue and rehabilitation center out of Amarillo, Texas, I believe, that I've seen videos for that uh, the the keeper will take her around to like schools and show and tells and educational purposes like that. And I almost want to go down there just to interact with the badger. I I think it'd be very cool if you did to get the opportunity to. I, I truly do. Having I had, having had my up close experience with multiple wolves, um, it it was an experience, and it just reminds me of a, a friend in college, um, fox uh, uh, related, very very much an atheist, um, but uh, we we spotted a fox wandering around campus at one point, and he. You know, I kind of wandered down towards towards him, not being threatening or anything, just to kind of get a better look. And, you know, he kind of, or he or she, I'm not really sure, jumped a pretty tall wall and then, you know, kind of ran through. And he happened to be in the field next to the area I was in. And the, the fox came bolting directly at him and passed within a matter of feet of him. And when I came over to him, he was just like in absolute shock. I said, are you okay? And he's like, that was almost a spiritual experience. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people, you know, they like me with the badger and us with the wolves and uh, you with the tigers, having that experience of interact meeting with and interacting with them is a spiritual thing for us or, or would be for some others as well. I have had the honor, I guess I would call it, of facilitating some meetings with uh, 
between wolf therians and actual wolves and seeing the look on their faces when they went in the pen with the wolves that was all the payment i needed for that i didn't do it for personal gain it was just seeing that pure joy and that dream achieved brought spiritual satisfaction to myself as well as them it's definitely a thing that happens i've had very close probably dangerously close encounters with grizzlies in the wild uh when i was younger and stupider and more risk takier and uh those were life-changing and very memorable experiences but i've never had the chance to interact with a brown bear i don't even know if that is something that is doable because there's a lot of training involved with getting them comfortable with a particular person but i mean that just the just the close encounters i've had in the wild have been dramatic significant experiences just remember no bear wrangler ever retires <laughs> you mentioned uh zeph you mentioned fursuits or either either you or blue I did. You, you you did blue I had one made for me as a gift, and Wait, you're, you're that furry? could be considered gear as well. I've seen people that they can get, they have the, the, the dysphoria and stuff, and when you put that mask on, put that head on, it's like one way I've described it is you put on that mask on that head, it's like taking off your own mask, and you can just be yourself. So that I can see as uh, labeled as gear as well. It's just something that you're limited in its usage and where, when and where you can use it. Well, it's interesting because I know some people who wear their fursuits exclusively on their own, in their own time, in their own space. No one would ever know. And then others who do wear theirs more in like public settings. And... I think it's interesting because it kind of doubles back with what we said earlier. Fursuits, I don't think they use real fur for any of those. <laughs> Maybe some of them, but no. not many no, I, of them. No, that would, yeah. yeah. So um, in that sense, it is like an artificial substitute for whatever. Well, in this case, let's say it's a pelt, basically, is what it's a substitute for. or a, an Wearing a pelt. Yeah, exactly. Um so in that sense, you know, I know people who feel like they can only be themselves when they are wearing something like that. I've heard, you know, I've got a friend who says that his partner, when he wears a fursuit, he is able to be his full self. And to me, that's very interesting. Uh, and in the last episode, we talked about things like, uh, I think we touched on like, barbarians, shaman, things like that, where in our history, we've had ancestors who have worn these things to try to connect with the inner animal. But I, I kind of see fursuits almost as like a bridge to that with the current like modern day experience. Maybe people are using it to channel the animal spirit in a way that helps them feel like more of who they feel like they really should be agree um i you know 
I've said in the past um, to a number of people, you know, uh, especially non-Therians, for, for me, I have to put on a mask to show my face, my true face. Um, and that seems to resonate with people. Um, it's kind of a, a way to reconcile the, the complexity of the whole situation. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I think that, you know, fursuits and, and that type of thing is a, a representation can be a very powerful tool to help us explore and understand ourselves and, and experience. And I, you know, looking in the mirror the first time you're wearing something along those lines um, can be earth shaking in so many different ways. Um, getting the first chance to really see a representation of yourself is, is powerful um and uh unique in a, in a lot of different ways so yeah i agree and i i think you know to your your point also zef with you know going back in 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 uh history and things like that with the berserkers and things like that from the vikings you know were these were these individuals really kind of the the mythological werewolves um, of the time because they, they wore the pelt and, you know, embodied the power and the energy associated with that and, and fought with abandon and things like that. Um, is that where some of this stuff actually kind of drove from? And then who were these people? Who, who, what did they truly believe? Um, you could say, in any of the, the, the pagan based approaches thing, uh, to that, you can go down to the same basic route. You know, there's stories of, uh, Native Americans who would, you know, don wolf pelts and coyote pelts and and things like that, and be able to move so naturally among the buffalo herds that it didn't it didn't bother them, um, but that it positioned them to be able to help go in and you know start with the the major hunts and things like that by you know creating the the direction uh, of that lead uh, to uh, what was beneficial to what the tribe was trying to do at that time at those. Those things were important. I have something you you said. I was wondering about. Uh, I'm as somebody who is not very familiar with the furry fandom and all that. Uh, the first seats I've always seen pictures of are pretty. The style is pretty. I guess what I would call non not very representational. I was wondering if that made a difference. Like if you substituted fursuit with like you know. Uh, and you know a, a costume from an A-level Hollywood werewolf movie would that make a difference? Um, I think that you had to draw a differentiation between fur, uh, the furry fandom and Therians in that situation. Uh, a lot of the furry fandom is looking, you know, it's it's a it's something they put on to you know project a different personality and persona and fursona. Um, through them as a result, and that can be a lot of fun uh, to be able to do those things. For Therian, it's more of a I'm putting this on to show myself the the true the core, not something I want to project, but to show the core um, with that. And then you know some people feel more drawn towards you know the snarlies and and uh, you know more werewolf esque uh, things. For myself, I feel much more feral. Um, I would. You know, quadruped would be my ideal. Uh, I have to do a lot of work on my upper body to be able to do that effectively, but you know, it would be something that would be more close to 
where I feel uh, my truth is. But at the same time, any you know, anytime I've done a, a werewolf type of costume or anything like that for uh, All Hallows or anything like that, it's been enjoyable to be able to go and represent that, and you know, it's very approachable, and uh, you know, it doesn't you know scare anybody ultimately, uh, which is not my goal with that. So it's but it's a, it's a way I can start to do some of that representation of myself. Um, if I wanted to put on something like a dragon or uh, a fox or uh, you know a bird or anything like that, that would be much more of a costume and almost getting into you know more of a furry esque uh, aspect of it uh, for me if if I chose to go that direction at some point. Um, it's not something that really draw. It's not something that's drawing to me at this point uh, in my life. I you know uh, I'm I'm more focused you know, on my theory anthropy and, you know, understanding who I am and at the core myself. As, as someone who uh, is an observer, at least of the furry fandom, uh, it also seems like there is a certain, uh, that, that realistic fursuits don't seem to be in very good favor. Uh, people seem to look down on them from what I've seen. Would that be accurate? I'm not sure, honestly. I'm not close enough to the fandom. It seems to come and go in waves. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it seems like uh, it's it's really just what I said. Uh, the furry fandom seems to have go through it, it goes through cycles of like fads and things like that, where sometimes uh, feral suits will be in style, quad suits will be in style, and then all of a sudden, cartoony suits will be in style, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, it, it's Interesting, though, because most Therians that I know seem to want to have more realistic fursuits because, again, it's closer to that representation of self. Yeah, we, we do it. For, we, we did them made for us, for our tastes, for what we not really want, but what we need them for. Now, I do want to say that, so, Blue, you said that your, if you had a fursuit, it would be more feral-esque. Stormy, yours is more anthro, correct? Or Correct. more more where rather. Yeah, more where. Grr. So just kinda I don't I'm not sure if you want to say anything about that either, but I just want to kind of give that same representation that within the Therian community there's diversity there too. Like some people feel uh, maybe it's almost a thing of like integration of self. Uh, because there are some times where my tiger aspect and my human aspect are balanced so much that I can kind of visualize that I'm like a were tiger or something like that. It's just visualization. Uh, my phantom shifts don't change. Things along that line don't change. But there are certainly times where I, I feel more feral. <laughs> so I typically lean toward that side. So... Uh, just saying, like, it, there's no one specific way that, that someone has to be. Like, if someone in the Therian community knocks on you for having a feral fursuit or a anthro fursuit, they kind of need to just chill. Yeah, because, you know, it doesn't matter whether you see yourself as anthro or as feral or something in between. It's we each have our own path through life. We're in this. To, we can be in this together. But we each have our own way of dealing with things, with, with getting through life, with experience and stuff. Well, 
I mean, I see myself as feral, but thumbs are so handy. They are. <laughs> there are some perks for being human, yeah. Yes. So I think we've hit on a lot of the, the stuff that I, you know, kind of hit on. Anyone else want to uh, drive anything else here? Give me just a second. I'm looking at my notes and I see things like action chicken. I don't want to know. <laughs> Sounds like a great movie. <laughs> I know, right? Starring Jackie Chan. Right. <laughs> One thing I want to say to, you know, uh, mainly a lot of the younger Therians and people just coming into the, the, the community and finding out about yourself, don't feel that you have to be forced into a certain spirituality or a way of thinking of things. You will eventually find your path through all this. And sometimes we just have to try things on as we go. Try it out. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Move on to the next. That's something I would really like to reinforce. If you've been paying attention to anything lately in the Therian community, I'm dying a little bit. There's a lot of diversity in our community. And I think actually that's a really good thing. Some people are going to be more spiritually inclined. Some people will fall more into like specific uh, religious alignments. Some people won't have anything to do with that. And that's perfectly fine. Do not feel pressured to feel any certain way. You experience what you experience. You feel what you feel. And that's fine. Don't let people bully you into thinking you've got to be a specific way. If they do, you know, that's the, those aren't the people you need to be hanging out with, really. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of frustrated at how some of that's going on lately. So, like, if you feel like you're being bullied into having a specific stance on something, just reach out to somebody who, you know, either a leader in the community or something along those lines. You should feel comfortable and being able to form whatever opinion or stance you want without being judged. Agreed, Seth. It, it's important to, you know, to, to just to agree with, uh, you know, with Starmy and with Zeph on, on this, you know, like we talked a little bit about in the last episode too, you know, there isn't one way. Uh, anyone who tells you there is one way is full of shit. Agreed. And, but there, there's a lot of different paths and a, and you can find the right path for you. Um, don't be afraid to reach out to people, though. You know, anybody on this podcast would be more than happy to have a conversation with just about anybody on it. And, you know, uh, talk about our, our personal experiences as well. And, uh, you know, go into some of those pieces of it and what worked for us and what didn't work for us and how we got to where we are. You know, I'm kind of speaking on behalf of everybody, but I, that's the way I, I truly believe that, you know, you know, anybody would be willing to. I agree. And I, I'm kind of hoping that personally, you know, with some of the experiences that we shared are very personal and very private. And part of why we're doing that is so you guys can realize that, yeah, some of the stuff is weird. Some of it's confusing. Some of it's a little bit scary. It's okay to talk to other people and try to, uh, I guess, just bounce ideas off of them. Uh, don't, don't lock yourself inside your head. Don't lock yourself inside of fear anything along those lines. Never feel that you don't have a voice because you do. 
if I have a voice, I'm fairly certain anybody else that's listening to this can have a voice. <laughs> like, really. And yeah, like it was pointed out, if any of you need to talk, we're here to listen. We'll, we will do what we can to help you out. We're putting ourselves out there for the community. This is for everyone as a whole. And kind of just to reinforce that too, this podcast is meant to be for the community. Uh, I'm reaching out to people in different aspects of the community to see if we can get more spokespeople for, you know, like wireless and other places too. Uh, I, I would like for this to be a kind of safe spot for people to be able to communicate in the ways that they feel are necessary. So if you feel like you're not being represented in some way, just let us know. Uh, again, we're not trying to seem like we are the end-all be-all of the Therian community, but we are trying to help it find its voice. So just let us know. Uh, you know, We're here to work with anyone who's got any kind of concerns, any kind of feedback, things along those lines. We, we just want to get the community talking and going in the right direction. And where might they Agreed. reach Agreed. I, I think at... it's important. Oh. What was that, Blue? Uh, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, again, it, you know, to, to the point of a safe space, that's what we're really trying to drive here. It's, uh, we try to be judgment free and have a dialogue and listen uh, to all points of view and then make uh, determinations from there as to, you know, what, what, what we, we feel and what we believe. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, you know, I think that we've done a reasonable, job and we've had some good dialogues uh in the last few weeks at least i didn't but, mean to interrupt when oh sorry i didn't mean no. to interrupt earlier but i was just asking if someone did want to reach out what were the best ways for them to do that oh okay so plugging for this podcast specifically we have uh, an email at where are we podcast at gmail.com and that is literally spelled like where's and werewolf are we podcast at gmail.com I don't know if anybody else wants to give their contact information or whatnot. <laughs> if you email that that address, uh, it'll actually go to any of the members of the podcast who want to be on that email distribution list. So it should actually reach out to pretty much all of us. I need to put you on there, Bear. Hey, I wouldn't mind either. If... And Black. Yeah, I'm sorry, Blue. I I, I didn't mean to trash your thought there uh, i kind of trampled on the end because i thought you were done typical bear i'm sorry <laughs> they just kind of do their thing just plowing <laughs> through furry bulldozers so any final thoughts i've said what i feel i need to say i'll think of it at two in the morning going once going twice okay well, i just wanted to do yeah yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to do you know this is, this is my... Did you really uh, wait until I said going once, going twice? No, I tried before <laughs> you started saying something, but you just went on. But I, I just want to do, uh, you know, thank, thank you all for uh, uh, taking my po podcast virginity here. It was <laughs> really pretty interesting to, be, you know, one, one of my purposes was to, you know, try to get more comfortable talking about this stuff. And, you know, this kind of environment was really good for it, you know, so. Uh, was it as good for you as it was for us? 
Well, I don't know how good it was for you. It was it was pretty good. Okay then, yeah, I, I'd say so. <laughs> Anyways, on that note, uh, <laughs> thank you anyone who is listening. Um, uh, feedback is always welcome. Um, we covered a lot uh, tonight, uh, and a first set of subjects here that kind of meandered through various things. So. Um, but yeah, feel free to reach out to uh, reach out to us. Uh, where are we? Podcast at Gmail, and um, we'll uh, talk to you next episode. All righty, hope to hear from you all soon. Okay, thanks. Bye. Now for our segment, Dear Badgie, straight perspectives on spotted questions. This one comes from the internet on Twitter. Storm Dancer, why are wolves the way they are? Well, wolves are like the starting pack of uh, Therianthropy. You know, everyone starts off as a wolf and then goes on from there till they collect all the animals and win the game. Questions like this are what drives me to drink. <laughs>